Hello and welcome to From Maiden to Mother, a space to dive deeper into topics related to the journey from maidenhood through motherhood and beyond. My name is Kelsey, I'm your host, and in this space we're highlighting stories from the Maiden to Mother community that are sure to inspire. Today we're talking to Jen. She is a Pilates and yoga instructor. We have an incredible chat about her journey through infertility, as well as how we can integrate movement into our healing process. Now I stand here before you ready to crack open. Okay, hello. We are here with Jen. Do you prefer Jen or Jennifer? Oh, I will answer to all of the above, but you can call me Jen. It's a bit easier. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we met on Instagram, I think. I think so. Yes, and I'm so grateful to share space with you today. I absolutely love what you share. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. And uh, yes, I've been following your journey for a while, so it's lovely to meet you properly you i would love if you would just share a little bit about you some of your favorite things to share with people of course well i am a mother of two little kids a one-year-old and a four-year-old and they keep me very busy i'm also a pilates and yoga and meditation teacher I have fallen into the fertility space after a very long fertility journey of my own. And now I'm extremely lucky that I get to help women through the process of their own. I teach fertility yoga and that's my main focus these days. And it really is a highlight of my life being able to do this work. And it's, yeah, it's a real honor. Wow, you sound so busy. <laughs> it's, it's things that you love a lot. Absolutely. I'm obviously extremely lucky to be where I am now. But yes, you know, life is always busy when little kids are involved. But oh gosh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Do they do yoga with you? My four-year-old actually does all the time, and she's already better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Bravery at that age. Definitely. And flexibility that uh, adults lose. Uh, Yeah, she's impressive. I have had the pleasure of trying your fertility yoga practices, and I really love them. Thank you so much. Thank you for putting that out there because there are so many different styles of yoga, different vibes and energies and different instructors. And it's nice when you can find something that not only do you connect with, like for me personally, infertility, fertility, um, but also someone's energy that just sits really well with you. Because sometimes, you know, someone can be a great teacher, but not the right fit. Absolutely. I think that yoga especially is all about the teacher and you can tell immediately if you vibe with that person or not. And I, I genuinely think that my journey and my, my passion for what I do now comes through when I'm teaching. Well, I hope it does anyway. And that is something I I feel I can offer people. So thank you. That means a lot that you say that. Well, and I've practiced over the years 
in person in studios and on my own at home, you know, with mm. recorded DVDs or live virtual yeah. sessions. And you can still feel, you know, the energy that you need to feel, whether you're by yourself practicing or in that group. I mean, there is something really special about mm. a group energy, but something really special about your individual practice too. Definitely. And I find when it comes to the fertility work, it does it does end up working really well when you can do it in the privacy of your own home. You know, it's such a personal journey and it's such a, a, a deep experience to go through. And you don't always want to be around people when you're feeling all the things someday, you know, it gets really overwhelming. So to be able to set up a space of your own in your house and just make it really comfortable and really inviting to practice in, I think that it, it really blends well so I'm so pleased that you're enjoying it thank you thanks for sharing with me <laughs> how did you get into practicing and instruction so I started teaching Pilates in 2009 so that was a while ago now and I originally started practicing it myself in 1998 I'm showing my age a little bit now <laughs> so I used to be a figure skater and uh all the injuries over the years uh were always taking a toll on my body and my physio recommended I start trying Pilates just to help stabilize my pelvis a little bit and I absolutely loved it I never in a million years thought it would be a part of the work I would end up doing you know I ended up going and doing a business degree at university and I worked in corporate events and marketing for a while. I realized how much I hated that. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I jumped ship in 2009, taught part-time for about two to three years, uh, just working on weekends and after work, but it was, it was too much to fit in and I realized it was taking over my life. So I... Yeah, I gave up my corporate job and went into it full time, which was one of the scariest but best things I've ever done. And I'd always practiced yoga, but uh, a lot of Pilates people will say this. I never really got it. I never really saw what the big deal about yoga was. You know, I enjoyed going to classes, but it wasn't really something that captivated me until I wanted to have a family of my own. And like so many women, sadly, I realized how difficult that was. And it was during that journey that yoga, this is going to sound so cliched, but yoga really found me. Um, a friend of mine who had been going through her own fertility journey said how much yoga practice had assisted her both physically and mentally throughout her own fertility journey. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll do anything as, as you do when you're in that headspace. Like, I'll try anything. Yeah. Uh, and again, without trying to sound like too much of a cliche, it changed my life. It, um, it offers you something completely different to Pilates. You know, Pilates is very, very black and white, very one plus one equals two. And I love that. I'm very type A, very left-brained in a lot of my work. And I think when we're talking about prenatal and postnatal exercise. Pilates is just the best thing. It's, it's incredibly useful, but when it comes to fertility, Pilates has very little to offer. 
And that's where yoga came in. And it really did just transform my journey. And after years of fertility treatments and failed IVF cycles and miscarriage, I believe it was the thing that helped me fall pregnant naturally. And that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, so that's why I do what I do now. I feel that the more women who know about these practices, the better. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with infertility. I know that's not easy to talk about. I am so sorry for your loss. And thank I you. appreciate you, you know, sharing that yoga was a part of your journey. I have struggled to kind of connect my fertility mindset with my yoga practice because for mm. a long time, yoga has felt like an escape from that yeah. part of my life. And so being able to kind of really connect and sink mm. into my body through your guided practices has been so refreshing because I did sink into more of a intuitive practice for about a year mm. and so getting back into guided practices you're right when you say yoga finds you when you need <laughs> it I know you didn't say it exactly that way but oh that is so true I just got goosebumps that is mm. the truest thing and it, it comes back to you when you need it because I, I started practicing when I was about 16 and the type of yoga that I prefer to practice has ebbed and flowed over the years as I've gone through life changes. And it's always kind of met me where I needed to be. Definitely. It just has that beautiful ability. I mean, it can be energetic. It can be meditative. It can be slow and restorative. It is truly, truly a magical practice. Yeah. Um, I've never never stop being impressed by, by what it can do in people's experiences of it. And I really appreciate what you said about how you didn't want your yoga practice to be tainted by your fertility journey. You said something to me really similar to that. Uh, and that really took me aback and I felt exactly what you mean. And I had, I had so many things in my life that were like that, where I, I felt that infertility had touched every area of my life it had affected my friendships and my marriage and you know my my physical health my emotional health everything right and you feel like I just don't want it to touch this little special area of my life please let that be mine um I really understood that I, I yeah but when you can blend what you're going through with the yoga practice and allow it to support you, not the other way around where, you know, your life taints it in a way. I think that's where some magic happens. So I really hope that it's helped you and, and you've gotten over that, that block. <laughs> yes. And that's a really good way to put it as looking at it as a support for me. Mm -hmm. And I think also just allowing myself to be, sad during my yoga practice too and to let those emotions out you know it doesn't always have to be calm and peaceful and uplifting I can also sit in my negative emotions during my practice mm. to let it out definitely that was I feel for for myself and for a lot of my students as I'm watching them that ability to not push away the negative but to sit in it feel through it and then move move past it afterwards 
is a real game changer in getting you to where you want to be. When I was able to feel all of those feelings and, you know, they're not, they're not fun feelings when you're going through a process like infertility and IVF. But for me, when I stopped pushing those feelings away and I just allowed them to come through me, that's, I feel where things changed and I watch others and that's where things start to happen. That's where people make breakthroughs. So it's, uh, it's amazing that we're able to find a practice that helps us do this. I feel like the braver I get on the mat, the braver I feel off the mat. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a good way of putting things? Definitely. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely a lot of things that I work through, you know, and I think a lot of people identify with that, whether, you know, it's running that you love or, you know, painting, or I think there's something that gets your blood flowing and gets Mm -hmm. your heart racing in a certain way. That's just invigorating. And we need that when you're going through something like infertility or in your case, infertility and secondary infertility. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And we can get a little woo here if you like. Oh, I love woo. <laughs> but, <laughs> this is a really, it's a really difficult thing to say to someone when they're in the process of a really difficult experience like infertility. But I feel like your experiences really are your ticket to a better life. As hard as that is to say at the time. And so when I was going through my first infertility journey, it was really hard. And I ended up going through IVF and I conceived my daughter on our second round of IVF. She was our one little embryo and uh, she made it all the way. And that journey was really, really hard in so many ways. But I feel like the universe said, okay, you're getting there, but you haven't quite got it yet. We're going to throw something else at you in until you really get it. And my second journey was so much harder than the first for many different reasons and a lot longer in terms of time as well. And that's when I experienced miscarriage, which of course is its own special turmoil. But it was when I got through that journey and it coincided with the start of COVID and lockdown where I no longer had access to fertility treatments and I really came back to myself and my yoga practice. I had no other option. That's where, that's where things really changed. And in the end, I feel like the universe said, okay, you get it now. Well done. Here's your baby. (laughs) And it sounds so it sounds so silly in so many ways and so simplistic, but I feel my journey was teaching me that I had so much more power within than I ever knew. And I really believe that it's my dharma, it's my purpose to share that with other women and to teach them that they also have that power. And it was when I realized that and I retrained as a yoga teacher and started practicing this with other women that I felt pregnant myself. So yes, the universe has, oh my gosh, crazy, crazy ways of guiding you through life, doesn't it? But um, I will, I don't think I'll ever say, I, I wish that this had happened to me. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to say. It, it's oh, I, 
Yeah. It's like, I, I don't wish this had happened to me, but I also appreciate <laughs> that it, it had to happen this way. Yes. Yes. Very true. And I have to say that watching you and the way you are able to connect with people so openly is so incredible to watch, Kelsey. And I think that people gravitate to you for that reason. The way you are able to reframe your journey while you're in the midst of it to say, this is happening for me, not just to me is incredible, especially when you're in the depths of a fertility journey. So I, I hope that people see that in you. Clearly they do because I see that the way that they respond to you, but I was never able to share my journey while I was going through it in the way that you are. And gosh, I absolutely admire you for that. So thank you. Thank you. And, <laughs> I mean, everyone deals in their own way, in their own time. There have been moments where sharing wasn't the right choice for me in moments where it Mm -hmm. felt therapeutic and Mm -hmm. I think honoring how you feel in the moment is really the only way to go and Mm -hmm. I mean my mom said something to me that you kind of reminded me of she said that the universe will put you in the same situation over and over again until you either learn (laughs) your lesson or you do something different yes and that has been isn't that true true for me it's been so true and you know I see every cycle as an opportunity to either learn something or do something different either learning about my body or trying a different treatment Mm. and that's really the only way I can look at it because it's the only way my life has been is these little cycles of you know trying and trying again at whatever definitely Gosh, it's so true. Mums are very wise, aren't they? <laughs> and it, it makes me wonder what it is that makes a mother that, you know, wise mom figure that we all know so well. Because when I think about, you know, my mom at my age, like I can't imagine, <laughs> I just can't imagine being as good a parent as she was at the same age. I mean, she's had a head start on me, <laughs> but it's just very interesting to think like where I'm at in my life and where she was at in her life, but mm-hmm. the kinds of things that she was teaching me. And it's like the potential that we have to raise a generation of really cool mm-hmm. people. It's just fascinating mm-hmm. to me. I agree. My mom was uh, 26 when she had me. And I didn't have my first baby until I was 36. So it really is confronting to think, my gosh, my mom had a 10-year-old when when I had my first child. And, you know, when I was 26, I was traveling the world and not even thinking about having kids. And, you know, I talk about this with, with my husband a lot. And I think that dads these days are lucky that, the world is changing and stereotypes are changing and they really, they're expected to do all of the things that society expects of them, but they have more of an opportunity now to connect with their children, which I think is beautiful. But there is something about a mother, which is, I'm going to use the word magic because (laughs) how did I go from having zero experience with children to knowing exactly what my baby needed at every moment of the day. You're just so intuitive, so beautiful to experience and just 
just watch in other women as well. It really is an innate biology, I suppose, in a lot of ways, the way that we are able to connect with our kids. And, and I understand completely that a lot of women do go through difficult times when they have had a child. And sadly, they don't connect with their, their kids as easily as some other women. But I do notice that they always come back to a place of connection with their children, even after difficult times. And I feel like that has just been one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Yeah. And there is something about that connection to where you're from and mm. what you've contributed to this world, whether you're a mother, you know, looking to connect with your child on a deeper level or you're a child looking to connect with your parent on a deeper level I feel Mm. like there's that yearning for connection to your lineage just you know inherently in our genetics at this point there definitely is and children offer a way to look at that as well I think you reframe your own history and your own relationships and connections with your parents and grandparents I, I feel like my relationships with my mother especially has changed since I had children and I've always been lucky and had a beautiful relationship with my mom but it's really deepened since I had kids and watching her with her grandkids so you're right it is a, just a, a special time to to really look at your family and go a bit deeper Did you lean on your family during your infertility or did you keep it more private? Oh, oh, I'm sad to say I didn't. And I wanted to, and bless my mom, she's she's an incredible person. She just didn't get it. She had a little bit of trouble conceiving me. Excuse me. But uh, it, you know, for someone who's been through it themselves, you completely understand they just don't say the right thing at the right time. And that is so hard. It's so hard to um to to want something from someone and and it's not their fault. They just don't know the right things to say and they can't empathize. And that's the uh the hardest part of the fertility journey, I find. I had a few close friends who had been through IVF and some similar experiences. So I found connecting with them really, really helpful. And I suppose when you go looking for a community, especially these days, it's it's quite easy to find a community online. You can find people that they just say the right things. They just get you. They don't give you advice. They don't tell you it's going to be okay. They just sit with you in the thick of it. But, yeah, sadly, I didn't quite get to get to be there with with my family in the way I would have liked but that's not their fault and my mom was super supportive I was living overseas when I went through my second round of IVF and I decided to go back to Sydney in Australia to try with a different clinic because obviously the first one hadn't been successful and during that time I was so fortunate I took some space from work and I was able to live with my mom for a few months while I was going through treatments and she was a she was a wonderful support and she she sort of knew sometimes I needed some space and other times she'd make me a cup of tea so we we found a 
we found a balance, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't really talk to her about the process. No, and that's totally fair. I mean, sometimes, even when you know somebody loves and cares for you, means well, sometimes hearing the wrong words just has such an impact on your psyche and your oh. state of mind that you just have to distance yourself mm-hmm. from it. And I, I notice it a lot with sharing more online. There are days when my comments are so kind and it really does lift me up and it really does help. And it's comforting to see those words. Mm. And there are other days where certain words and phrases really do bring me down and it may not have been something I expected, but I, I have to honor in that moment. Like that is <laughs> not sitting right with me. And so oh, that is hard. And I watch you in the way that you deal online with, I don't know if we'll call them haters. It's it's not quite that extreme. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's more just people that don't get it and are insensitive by ignorance. Exactly. And it's, you know, I also, it will never cease to amaze me. And I send you messages all the time on social media getting outraged at things people have said to you, you deal with it so much better than me. I want to get much more angry than you do. I I feel there are many difficult experiences in life that I haven't been through. For example, terminal illness or death of a, a partner or, you know, something that's really, really difficult. But when I see people that have been through those experiences, I don't give them advice. I don't tell them what to do (laughs) and for someone to do that to a person struggling with their fertility is just so baffling to me you don't get it don't say anything or just say I admire you or I'm thinking about you or I want to support you in any way I can but you do deal with those people extremely well I must say it is a really bizarre phenomenon how many people cross that line when it comes to infertility and it doesn't just happen online it happens in our personal lives too when you know you say yes you know we're trying to have kids but it's not going so well people will give you all kinds of advice oh just do it every other day put your legs up um take a prenatal (laughs) I love when people give me that advice like I've never considered oh we could we could go on for hours with all the helpful advice It happens everywhere, but you're right, you know, when it comes to other, you know, big, heavy situations, that's not always the first line. And it's so interesting to me that when I point that out to people that, hey, it's, it's weird to ask somebody that (laughs) kind of question about their medical treatment. It is, it is weird. There is something about women's health that. I find people feel they have an ownership and an opinion that matters over and it continues throughout pregnancy. And definitely when it comes to birthing options, I had taxi drivers, older male taxi drivers asking me if I was going to have what they call a natural birth. And I just feel that there's something, there is something a bit broken in, in our society in that way. Uh, And of course it continues through, new motherhood and parenthood as well people are always offering advice to new parents even if they don't have kids themselves and ah oh, it's uh it's fascinating is a word it is and it's 
exhausting sometimes to have a uterus. Exhausting. It is, it is quite the target almost. It's almost Mm. like sometimes it's seen as a vulnerability in our world to be, you know, a feminine presenting person. But Mm. I have found that it is quite a strength. I have met so many strong mothers who are at all kinds of stages of motherhood, you know, (laughs) pre-motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does open your eyes, but it, like you said, it does show us all the wonderful parts of, of people as well. And the wonderful parts of ourselves that we didn't know Mm -hmm. was there being faced with something like infertility brings up all kinds of different insecurities you know is my body good enough is it doing what it needs to do am I mentally strong enough to handle this are we financially strong enough to handle this Mm -hmm. and having to work through all of those things really it really does make you a stronger person not that you're not strong if you don't go through those things, but you there really mm. is credit to be given to people that face things that are unfair because mm. you know nobody asks to be infertile. Nobody went and partied oh, too God. hard in college and became infertile like that. <laughs> <laughs> At least not to my knowledge. Please correct no. me. That's something no. That right? But like of nobody asked for this. Nobody deserves mm. this, but yet people still endure and persevere. And become incredibly kind, empathetic people, despite the horror that mm. can come from infertility. I agree. And when I speak to people about when I first started opening up my experiences, whilst not everyone goes through infertility, everyone has something. You know, the more I look at it, and I at the time when I was struggling to have my first baby, I'd look at my friends who conceived really easily and you immediately you know, get jealous and angry and all the things. But when you look a little deeper, you realise that they've all got something too, whether it's mental health issues or they're dealing with learning difficulties with their children or they're dealing with you know, serious financial worries. Everyone is going through something and it is your own journey. No one lives this perfectly charmed life that we assume other people who built their families easily have. And it's when you start opening up about your own challenges that you realise everyone has a piece of their puzzle to share as well. And I for me, that was something really beautiful that came from my journey, realizing that it, everyone has something and they're definitely stronger and more empathetic and better for going through them. And you kind of realize it's not a competition. Mm. You know, it's not about, you know, who is the most infertile, who's been trying the longest, and <laughs> not about who had the most natural birth, quote unquote yeah. natural. And it's not about. Totally. It's not about comparing regardless of what stage you're at. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to compare yourself to where you thought you'd be, to where Mm. others are, and that's where you think you want to be. Yeah, definitely. It's The competition thing is really hard and the comparative aspect of infertility. 
you get triggered by so many things, you know, as soon as you're going down the assisted fertility route, you're then comparing yourself, oh, that person, it worked for them on their first cycle. Why didn't it work for me? That person had so many embryos after their round of IVF, but I only had this many and it is endless. It is a rabbit hole, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can't really prepare for. And I don't think I could prepare anyone else for. Sometimes mm. people will ask me like, oh, I just got a PCOS diagnosis. Like, what can I expect? And I'm like, I <laughs> wish I could tell you. But just, you know, <laughs> I'm sending you love and strength. Mm-hmm. because you know you can't predict what this journey is going to be like and no. my partner and I were talking about our options going forward at our new clinic and it comes down to you don't know how any of it's going to work you don't know how mm-hmm. you're going to respond to anything you can be given all of the percentages and all of the chances and try and put everything where it's supposed to be perfectly and manipulate everything and there's still a piece that comes down to fate and having (sighs) to face all of these like logical decisions and all of the science but then still having to trust (sighs) one little piece like that changes a person it does and that is actually the hardest part of the whole journey But if I can come back to you for a moment, I think that is the one thing that you were able to do better than almost anyone I've seen. To be able to trust in timing is the hardest thing. It took me years and years to be able to do that. And I genuinely feel that as soon as I was able to let go of the timing and trust that I knew it was going to happen, I just didn't know how and I didn't know when, I just knew that it would that's when I fell pregnant. But for so long, I resisted that. And I was doing everything I could to to push the timing and to make it happen. But it is the hardest thing to let go of. For me, it's hard. And it's also easy because it feels like a given, (laughs) like I have no other choice. (laughs) I think that just makes you incredibly amazing. (laughs) Like, you know, people ask me, like, well, what else? I'm like, well, I don't know. You know what? <laughs> I, at this point, like, you know, I, I, my choices are take the meds or don't take the meds. And if I don't take the meds, mm. there's no chance. Sure. So I'm going to sure. take the meds and I'm going to trust they're going to work because that's all I, mm. I feel like that's all I can do. And part of it, you know, comes across as like strength, but part of it is fear too. Like mm-hmm. almost feeling backed into a corner. Like I have no other options. Like, you know, yeah. you just take the meds. And trust that they work. Of course. Of course. Where do you see your journey going now? Where, where are you thinking your next steps will be? What are you, what are you feeling into? So we have been doing just letrozole by itself for over a year because that is all yeah. my old clinic could offer me. So, um, we have very and it's a great option. Yeah, it is a fantastic option. Um, it's not something that I wanted to do for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I with PCOS, I do find the side effects quite intense. Okay, of course. Um, and so we are hoping to do well something a little bit more intense we're hoping to do super ovulation yeah uh, but hoping it'll work on a shorter timeline 
Yes. Because with PCOS, a huge problem is not developing an actually healthy, mature follicle. So even though I am mm -hmm. ovulating, there's a good chance that the egg I'm ovulating is not actually ready to go. No, not mature, sure. So um, they're hoping to do super ovulation, some stimulation to make sure that when I'm ovulating, it's actually giving us a chance. Mm -hmm. I have not been monitored. They've not been able to confirm that I have a good size follicle and that my lining looks good. Because like I said, we've very limited access to that in the area that I live. So yeah. um, I am able to work with a clinic that is a little bit more flexible with their imaging centers. Fantastic. So I'm hoping to get some more information about my cycle, you know, get some information about my lining and my follicles and see if we can find mm. the missing piece because, yeah. you yeah. know, letrozole is a great option if you know that it's working, but when mm -hmm. it's given kind of blindly, it, you know, it's not always the Absolutely. Same. I went through many rounds of letrozole myself and for me, I was ovulating, but uh, it was always a bit iffy as to how strong it was my cycle was very short so kind of the opposite issue to PCOS I had almost no follicles but it is a great option but it, yeah you're right I, I found I was lucky I was living and still live in a very big city so I had access to imaging and scans to check the lining to check the follicle development but gosh it's just another part of the journey when you're working a little bit in the dark isn't it when you haven't got that access to you know when people say oh just go and do IVF or you know just when see a doctor it's just not that simple is it no and here where I live I live in Alberta Canada and in each province or territory in the country there's different medical coverage Mm -hmm. and where I live there is no access to fertility coverage it's all out of pocket Goodness. so unless you are willing to pay for IUI or IVF mm -hmm. really medicated cycles are the only option for a lot of people not just myself mm -hmm. because the cost jumps up significantly um it just for kind of a reference, I don't have to pay anything for my letrozole right now because it's covered mm. through my work insurance as a breast cancer treatment. Of course, not yeah. It's a fertility drug. So if I were paying for it, it's $150 a month. Yeah, still a lot. It's still quite a bit. I'm very, very grateful that I have insurance coverage for that. Um, mm. And then an IUI starts at $1,000 per cycle. And the medications that they recommend for super ovulation and stimulation for IUI goes from about $1,000 to about $4,000 because the medication costs in our province are quite different than in other provinces. Mm. And I mean, those are the costs that I was quoted for my case. They can vary a little bit, but it, it's still quite a jump to go from $150 to all of a sudden we're looking at thousands just for the, a chance. There isn't even a guarantee mm. in in our situation, oh. our doctors haven't even said that IUI is the best choice. They, they've they said mm. letrozole, in theory, should be working. Mm. So then you kind of reach a frustrating point where it's like, well, it should be, but it isn't. Isn't that the hardest part where on paper, everything looks perfect? And uh, the, the ch like you said, the chance, all of this just goes into a chance. It is no guarantee. Even IVF 
they say is a 30% chance and that's a high chance. I think I was given 5%. Oh, it is the things we do. You're so brave to go through all that <laughs> is required of IBS. It is. My last round of IBS was the best one. It was, I was three years older than I had been during the, the previous cycle where I'd had my daughter. My hormone levels were excellent. My lining was perfect. I had two perfect, healthy little embryos. It just on paper was a done deal and it didn't work. And you just think, how, how is that possible? There has to be something bigger at play. <laughs> oh, yes, it was, that, that was pretty much the hardest part I found. And I can't imagine going through the rest of your life like still having to go to the grocery store and the bank <laughs> and all of those things was mm. such intense fertility treatment like it was it was hard um do you know what I found the hardest was you know I was still teaching in a studio teaching Pilates and yoga when I was going through that stage and my focus my specialty throughout my last 10 years of my career have been pre and postnatal. So I would go to work and be surrounded by all these beautiful women with their big, healthy bellies. And, oh, it took every last little bit of my strength to smile at them. It was really. Oh. Yeah. And I know a lot of women aren't so triggered by pregnant women when they're going through it themselves, but <laughs> I definitely was. <laughs> um, sadly, I, I would look at, for me, it was when I was going through that second journey, I would see a woman with two or more children, or I'd see her pregnant with a, with a little toddler next to her. And gosh, that would just set me off completely. It's, it's so hard working through these triggers in your everyday life, isn't it? It is. And you can't anticipate what is going to be triggering and you know what's triggering one day might be okay the next and it's all just you've got to give yourself so much grace and you know Mm. we're just we're human and we've only got so much time in this life and we've got to try and fill it with as much happiness as we can and if that means you've got to kind of keep to yourself and block some of those things out for a little bit to heal and be strong mm. enough to face it the next time you go definitely that's, okay. that's so true and coming back to that piece that we were talking about before where you you want to share it with friends and family your journey but they just don't get it I honestly think that it's okay to step away and just tell people that you need some space from them I had a really close friend who was pregnant at the time I was going through IVF and she she just bless her tried her best but triggered me every single time I'd be in tears after I spoke to her and I said I just need some space and that was incredibly difficult for her but she accepted and our friendship is okay these days you know we've come back together but it is okay to distance yourself from these people in these situations if you need to oh Jen, I appreciate you being here so much. <laughs> Thank you, Kelsey. It's 
so lovely to chat to you. Please, I just want to tell everyone who listens to you how lucky they are. It means so much to me. <laughs> Before we go, I just have one more question for you. Sure. If you could give a dear friend who is starting TTC, trying to conceive, trusting to conceive, one <laughs> piece of advice. It doesn't have to be the best piece, just a piece of advice. What's one thing you would tell someone that's starting their journey? This is such a hard thing to say to someone who is in the midst of their journey. But the life that is waiting for you on the outside of all of this is a thousand times better than what you could ever imagine. The The connection I have with my children the marriage and the relationship now that I have with my husband and the life and the career that I have now, these things wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't struggled to have my family. And these things are going to look different for everyone, but I work with a lot of women who are struggling to have a family of their own. And I just see the way their life expands once they get through it. And so my advice is trust that it will be your ticket to something better and as hard as that is to recognize in the moment and I completely agree that you don't have to accept this advice right now but if you can just for a moment imagine that there is something better waiting for you on the other side it does start to make your journey so much more bearable and I hope that helps Thank you. I appreciate that so much. That is just perfect. We're just perfection. Mm -hmm. You're incredible. Oh, thank you, Kelsey. It's a real treat to speak to you. And yeah, I just, I love what you do. So thank you for having me today. Thank you. I so appreciate everything that you have to offer. Where can people <laughs> find you? Sure. So I, I have a website to which you can learn a little bit more about all my teachings, which is Elements Pilates Yoga and you can find me and connect with me on a personal level if you would like to via instagram or tiktok and my handle is jen.elementpilatesyoga thank you again and i hope you have an amazing well it's night for me but is it day for you it is day i have had a lovely coffee next to me as we've been chatting so it yeah i will enjoy my day thank you i will dance between worlds